Well, as you can see, I'm a little amped up. It's been about 37 weeks of the Old Testament, and I have loved the Old Testament, but it's really nice to just read straight from Jesus, to hear him speaking his words to us on this Lord's Day about the kingdom, about this kingdom that we, we declare every Sunday as we walk out, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now as we ask, think about this kingdom, this question comes up. What is the kingdom and who's a part of it? Some think maybe this kingdom is like a, is heaven, a far off place that we long for. Other, but then there, there, why do we say on earth as it is in heaven? And understanding the kingdom and understanding this moment, I think, is really, really important. Especially with regards to the incarnation, the arrival of Jesus. We believe in the New Testament that the king has come. Jesus himself has come. And we read about his coming in the Gospels. And to me, as we read this, it's this moment of his arrival. It reminds me, if, if you're a fanatic like me, today is a big day. It's the first Sunday of football. And uh, if you're a fanatic like me, you play, we, I play this thing called fantasy football. Anybody play fantasy football in the room? Sweet. Only two of us. All right, I'm just, just me and you, brother. We're talking here. The way this works is basically you get a bunch of buddies together or I get, we get a bunch of families together and everybody picks a bunch of players from the NFL and they put them on their team from all sorts of different teams and you get points based on how they do and you compete against each other and it's pretty much like you're playing in the football games. It's great. Brianna's not a huge fan of it because we end up, me and the boys, we end up spending all day watching football and not you know, doing our Sunday chores as much. I was in this fantasy football league and, and I got invited into it and I remember there was this moment in the league when this, this buddy of ours, Carlos, you may know him, he delivers UPS for many of you, he all of a sudden, we're getting ready to do this draft and all of a sudden the music comes on and it overwhelms the whole room and, it's, and, and we hear this music that says, the champ is here. Have you heard this song? It's like, the champ is here, the champ is here. And Carlos like walks in and everybody's like, what is going on? Apparently he's not even the champ, he hasn't even won recently, but he was like letting everybody know that he was gonna win this year. And I feel like as we think about the kingdom of God and Jesus is arriving in the gospels, this is this moment of Jesus saying the king is here. But this is not a fantasy. This is not a hope or a wish, it's a, it's, a, it's a promise. And in this passage, when Jesus shows up in Matthew chapter five, and he says the kingdom of heaven is here, how do we know? We see it breaking in when he is casting out demons and, and healing those that are sick and paralyzed, and you can see his power right in this moment. And he's saying, I am here. And then there's this question in us that says, okay, the kingdom is here, how do I get in? How can I be a citizen 
of the kingdom of heaven. I'm thinking about the Old Testament. I'm thinking about the law and all of the things that I need to do. Am I good enough? Because from what we understand about the kingdom, the kingdom is not so much, hear this, it's not so much about a place, it's about the very reign of the king. When you hear the word kingdom of God, this is not about a place, it is about a reign and a realm. Remember that. It is the reign of the king in the realm of his people. And what is so fascinating for us as we, over the next, I don't know, 10 weeks, as we look at the kingdom of God in in the New Testament, What is so fascinating about this is that this is about the reign of the king in the realm of the zeros. In the realm of the zeros. It's such a paradox because we would think that the king would come to reign in the realm of the religious, in the realm of of those who have crossed every T and dotted every I, or or the king would come to reign in the realm of of the people who are strong and, and the people who are mighty and the people who have power. But as Jesus demonstrates the kingdom of God, he comes and he gives this, this sermon, this beautiful sermon. And I would encourage you to memorize these beatitudes, the blesseds. And he gives this sermon in Matthew chapter five. And we see that the reign of the king in the realm, in the hearts of his people, is actually people that are, in essence, zeros. Look at what it says in verse three. Interestingly enough, we have eight beatitudes. You're gonna see this, this, you're gonna see this pattern of, it, of Jesus uses this, this, this formula of where he says, blessed are, and then he states a present tense a present tense that you are in, and then he uses the word for and states a future tense. A future tense of where you will be, what you will experience. He says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This word for poor in spirit is not about just being poor. It actually has nothing to do with being physically poor. It is about being spiritually bankrupt about recognizing that that my spiritual posture is that I am in need of grace, that I have sinned and fallen short, that I, from the fall of Genesis 3, am spiritually bankrupt. I am poor in spirit. And interestingly enough, in these eight blesseds, Jesus uses this poetic uh, pattern of starting and ending, what we, what we would call an inclusio. In verse 10, he also says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the spiritually bankrupt, the poor in spirit, and those who are persecuted, the, the bankrupt, the bullied, the beat up, those are the people in the kingdom of God. And this is the frame for the hearts that the king reigns in. Remember, he reigns in the realms of hearts. And so we see this here. So now you may be asking, well, what do these hearts look like? 
What does it mean to be a spiritual, to be a zero? To be in need of a king to reign in my heart. Well, I'm happy you asked that. We're gonna spell out hearts to help you remember this. And the first thing is a word I want you to remember is in the kingdom of God, those that have the king reigning in their hearts, they're honest. In particular, they're honest about the pain. And Jesus says, makes this promise, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. In that honesty, he is promising them relief. He's saying, those who mourn, those who because of their spiritual bankrupt position, those because of all the, the ways that they have been beat up, bullied in this world, maybe of their own doing or maybe just because of their circumstances, he's saying in the kingdom of God there's this paradox of the king reigning. He says you will be comforted. You will find relief, right? When Jesus came, he said, he said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. And so one of the traits of this heart, this kingdom heart, is an honesty. Far too often, we struggle with this. We struggle with being honest about our position. With actually mourning over our our state, our heart. One of the things that I love that I've got to experience this last um, year is being in a Celebrate Recovery group. One of the things I love about being in these groups is they are so good about helping us to be honest about our struggles and our, the ways that we deny our struggles and don't allow the power of Christ to be our higher power, to be the one who does the work in us. For some of us, perhaps as we think about the kingdom, we need to have this moment of being honest about the pain, about the sin. Second, there is an enduring, an enduring disposition. An enduring disposition. Disposition meaning your posture, your outlook, the way that you interact. And in this enduring, Jesus says, blessed, or the word sometimes, some of your translations will actually say happy are, you will find restitution. Restitution is when all things are made right. Look at what he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I would encourage you, if you have time to study this text, please do, this word for meek. We read this and we see this as soft. We read this and we see this in a different light. It seems to me as Jesus is, is speaking into the disciples and has this whole crowd around him, he wants the audience, you and me, to know that those who have been oppressed, those who have been overlooked, those who have not stood up, those who are shy, he says, there's they shall inherit the earth. Those who long for the day when all will be made right, he says one day they will inherit the earth. The language here for inherit the earth is a looking forward to God's promises. When all is made right. 
to receive this restitution. So the heart is honest. The hot heart is enduring. The heart is also anticipating. It's anticipating. And what is it anticipating? In fullness. I think I, I wrote in, in your sermon notes, I, I think I wrote something else. I think I wrote like anticipating uh, the, the day of the Lord. But I like here th this idea of being full. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Have you ever like had this moment of just hungering and thirsting for something? Yesterday, I had three soccer games. Boom, 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 it was hot. And I remember at the end of the last soccer game, I like could not get out of there quick enough to run home and jump in the pool. I was hungering and thirsting for this refreshment. And in this case here, as Jesus is talking, he's talking to a people who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. In particular, the righteousness here is they're, they're longing to live right. They're longing to do right, but there's still this poor in spirit moment, and so they're, this, they're anticipating this day when they are filled. And I love this. Because as they're anticipating, Jesus tells us that he is the one who fills us, right? When we take communion, what do we do? We eat of the bread. We drink of the cup. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Eat of this, you will never go hungry again. He tells the woman at the well, you will never be thirsty again. And so as we anticipate this fullness, this longing, Third, are, they are reaching for the broken. And in this process of reaching for the broken, this beatitude tells us that we are also reached. Look at what he says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall, be, they shall receive mercy. As you've been reading, as you read through the New Testament, you're gonna read of a parable that Jesus tells about this. Remember this, of the, the unmerciful servant? It's a parable where Jesus basically shares with his disciples, it's a parable, and the parables that Jesus told were to communicate the, uh, a picture of the kingdom of God. And he said that there was this, this, this master, and, his, and one of his servants owed a great debt to him. You remember this story? And he came in and it was a great debt, something that he could never pay in, in 10 lifetimes. But in grace and mercy, he says, I will have mercy for your debt. And, the, and then he says, that's wonderful, that's great. And he gets released and he goes down and he goes to an alley and he finds someone that owes him something much less significant and it says that he beats this person and shows him no mercy. And the king finds out about it and brings him back and then says, you did not show mercy. And Jesus says that he will be punished. And at the very end there, he says, for those who show mercy, forgive from their heart, they will also be forgiven. Something about the kingdom heart that are reaching for the broken, that are reaching for those that maybe do not Mercy, you never deserve it, right? Mercy's about not getting what you deserve, yet we're giving mercy. Because we've been 
given mercy. And as we reach out, we know that we have been reached. Finally, there's also a transforming attitude. And this transforming attitude is restored. Remember back to the poor in spirit, the spiritually zeros, those who mourn over their sin, those who struggle with this challenge. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for what? They shall see God. Have you ever had a moment when you finally saw someone face to face that you've been longing for? Remember with my two young girls, Selah and Ruth, that moment of we had been, we adopted them, we flew to China, we had pictures of them and videos of them, but there was this moment I will never forget of the first moment of seeing them. And here, Jesus is saying in the kingdom of God, there's those that are pure in heart, they will see God. And this is another one of those hyperlinks where the, those that know their Bible, the, the Hebrew scripture would know that this is linking back to a psalm of David. A psalm of longing to see God, longing to, look at what it says here, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? It's talking about going in to the temple to be with God. Who shall stand in his holy place? It says this, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. See the hyperlink? Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. This is about idolatry. He will receive a blessing. Blessed are those. You see Jesus proclaiming a, a blessing and the psalm anticipating this blessing. A blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God the God of Jacob, Selah. Stop about it. Stop and think. Because of Christ, there's this transformation of the heart in the poor in spirit. And those that are honest and enduring and anticipating and reaching and transformed are also seeking peace. Those are the hearts of the kingdom. And why are they seeking peace? Because they're royalty. They're not slaves, they're not servants, they're not indentured servants. They're royalty, look at what he says. Blessed are the peacemakers. Notice it does not say peacekeepers. I, as a father of five children, am oftentimes a peacekeeper. But he's saying peacemakers, they go to places and make peace. Why? For they shall be called sons of God. He used the word sons there because it's related to being an heir. This is for men and women, but the sons there in that language is about becoming an heir, royalty. Will you turn to the person next to you and just say, I am royal. I am royal. I am royal.
This is the, so when we talk about the kingdom and the king reigning in the hearts of his people, we recognize that we, because Jesus is the king, we become heirs. We become a part, citizens of his kingdom, going out and doing his will on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom is breaking through into our hearts and out into the world. We are like walking embassies. of the kingdom of God. In 1 Peter, Peter says this, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you, look at there's something you do, may proclaim the excellencies, excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into what? His marvelous light. We are a people of this kingdom, all who believe. Now, you may find yourself reading these things, thinking about your heart. And we we can, as people that want to always have a how-to, we can read these as how-tos for life. I just need to be more honest. I just need to keep enduring. I just need to keep anticipating. I just need to keep reaching out. I just need to keep being transformed. I just need to keep seeking peace. And if I can do those things, I'm in the kingdom. And that's not the gospel. That's actually the opposite. Remember, it's the reign of the king in the realm of the zeros. The zeros can't do these things. But we have a king who came, who wasn't a fantasy, who really came, and he said, the kingdom of God is here, and he came. And he became the poor so that we could become rich. He endured so that we could. He became the one that gives us the inheritance of the earth through his work on the cross. He, in his mercy, has mercy upon us. As I was reading this, you could, we could go through this whole list. As I was reading through in my Bible, I just I noticed that there was the, blessed are the uh, poor in spirit for. There's the word for over and over and over again. And that just struck me for some reason. It's a pretty normal word. But it seems to me that that for, in the gospel, For that to happen, you must be in Christ. Way too often we read the Sermon on the Mount and we can, Dallas Willard talks about this in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. He says, we actually remove the Jesus from the the equation. We remove the blessed one who makes us blessed from the equation and we just think, I need to do these things and we lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the one doing them in us and causing us to have these kingdom hearts, right? In Christ, he is the one moving and working. And maybe you're thinking, okay, but I'm longing. I guess I'm just meant to struggle right now. And someday in heaven, this will all be made right. 
And this is where it's important as we think about the kingdom of, of God. To, I'm gonna use a big word here and then I'm gonna try to explain it. It's called, as we think about the end times, as we think about when Jesus returns, I, would, I, I believe that the Bible teaches what we would call a kingdom eschatology. A kingdom eschatology. Eschatology is a word for the end times. What we think about when Jesus returns. And a kingdom eschatology, if you want to have a fan, or easier way to say this, is an already not yet eschatology. It's a belief that when Jesus came into the world, he said, the champ is here. The king is here. And when he died on the cross for our sins, it was done. It was finished. It was complete. It was inaugurated, the kingdom was inaugurated, but it is not yet consummated, right? A good illustration of this would be D-Day. Many historians say that in World War II, when the, the troops invaded Normandy, and there was D-Day, German, Germany was pretty much overwhelmed. And they believe that that was the day where there was an imminent victory over German, Germany. But it wasn't until V-Day, V-E-Day, Victory Day, much later on, years later, that the victory came. And for us, as we think about the kingdom of God, and we think about these hearts on earth as it is in heaven, we live in this already, not yet. D-Day has happened. Jesus has come, he's died on the cross, he's resurrected. Yet there's still battles to be fought. There's still sin raging, evil raging, but we know that there is victory. And we know that Jesus will return and things will be right and relief and restoration. And all those R's that we talked about will be complete in that moment. And so as you think about this, in the already not yet, his kingdom is here on earth as it is in heaven, and it will return. The question is, how do we respond? I would encourage you. Let's go back to Matthew chapter five in those first verses. Look at what it says. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. As we think about this, I would encourage you, as you reflect on this kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, first, sit down and listen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am focused. Now, now, now grab the phone that's in your pocket and say, you will not control me. <laughs> listen, we live in a digital world where it is very difficult to sit down and listen and be thoughtful and reflective and hear the, 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 the words of Jesus because we have so many notifications going on all the time. So we live with FOMO of thinking, I got this fear of missing out on all these other things and we need to sometimes remove those distractions and like Jesus and Mary, when she sits at the feet of the rabbi, we need to be a people that are sitting at the feet of Jesus and asking him to speak his kingdom into our hearts. 
If you're wondering where to start, we just started in Matthew 5. Read the rest of this Sermon on the Mount this week. The next chapter, which we're gonna focus on next week, Matthew 6, is literally the ethics of the kingdom. When Jesus shares this paradox, this upside down kingdom living, I would encourage you this week, sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him teach you. And remember, I say it time and time again, I'm not saying hearing, I'm saying listening. Listening is doing what he says. Second, sleep in peace. Turn to the next person next to you and say, I am royal. We miss this. We miss this far too often as children of the king. We miss that our identity is in the king. It is not in what has happened to us. It is not on what others have done or what we have done. If you are in Christ, you are a child of the king. You are a part of his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. You are royal. Finally, I'm living with this understanding. I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm embracing in my head my identity as a child of the king. And even though the world is gonna say, no, you're not good enough, you're ugly, you've messed up, even though my own flesh will say you'll never be able to do that, I know that my God who came to me is doing a work in my heart. And therefore, shine the light. Shine the light. Turn to the person next to them, next to you, or maybe the person behind you and say, you are welcome. Now you're not saying you're welcome like you just gave them something. You're literally saying welcome like you're welcome here. Okay? You're saying, oh, you're welcome too. But you're saying you're welcome like you are welcome here. I love Dallas Willard in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. He looks at this, at this kingdom of God and he says that, the, that, that we read this oftentimes not recognizing that there's a crowd here and as Jesus is talking about the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he wants everyone to know that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how you dress, no matter what your, 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 your situation is like, you are welcome. No matter what your political ideologies may be, vaccinated, unvaccinated, you're welcome. Mask, no mask, you're welcome. And this is what unites us. Look at what Jesus says here. Don't, don't miss this. You are the light of the world. city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, your good works, and give glory to where? Your Father who is in heaven. Church, we live in an age that is so divided, that is so polarized. Yet Jesus calls us to be united in these truths of the kingdom. 
Romans chapter 15, I wanna leave you with this and some closing thoughts says this. It's benediction from Paul. He says, may the God of endurance, remember that enduring word, and encouragement, encourage, grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together, look at this language, together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome, you are welcome here, one another, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is challenging. In our day and age, it can be easy, even in a, in a place like this, to neglect these, these gospel truths and think, I can't welcome this person. They didn't vote the way that they were supposed to vote. They didn't believe the things that I believe to be true. I just wanna encourage you. I want Cornerstone to be a place of unity where people say, how do those people get together? They look so different, I know them. Those people are so different, yet because of the kingdom of God and because of those hearts, they're all welcome. They're all welcome. Let's be a place that lives this out. In closing, I wanna sing a song called The Same Power. This is a song about the very power of the gospel, the very power that we read about in the Bible. It says, lives in us. Before the service, Sister Jay was praying at the end of the service, she said this, Calling out to God, she said, God, help us to know that this is not a game or a fantasy, it's a reality. As we sing this song, I just wanna encourage you wherever you are. Embrace a kingdom heart. And the only way to embrace a kingdom heart is to embrace the king. Is to bow before him say mighty savior lifted high king forever Jesus Christ would you pray with me heavenly father I'm so thankful God that you give us your kingdom that when we pray your kingdom come your will be done that's not a fantasy that's not it's not far off as a matter of fact, right now in this moment, we are there. We're in the already, not yet, and I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to speak these truths. God, that you would speak into those who feel poor in spirit. You would speak to those who feel that they are in mourning. You would speak to those who feel that, 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 they're the, that, 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 that there's no hope. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to move and transform our hearts into the people who have clean hands and pure hearts because of your work on the cross. I pray, Jesus, that you would be the one who unifies us, that you would be the one who comforts us. That, Jesus, when we hear 
Your words come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I pray, Jesus, that we would know that you are talking to me. And so that we would give you our burdens. And that we would be unified together by your power, by your kingdom. So hear our prayers, Lord. Have your way. May we be a people who sit down and listen, who sleep in peace, who shine your beautiful, glorious light.